Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, thank you that you care about our families. Please help us here today what you want us to know about children and parents so that we will all grow more like Jesus. Amen. I'll start with a couple of stories from the news this week. This one from the Independent, a rather scary picture of Prince Harry as Father Christmas. And then this one from the Times, Brad Pitt made our lives hell, says his son Pax. You could find stories like that any week, I would guess. Uh, Tragic stories of dysfunctional relationships between fathers and sons uh, that the media loves. And if we're honest, that we we love to read as well. And and the sort of stories that we love to watch. Um, Dysfunctional families, fathers and sons, apologies for the spoiler in any case, it is over 40 years old. But from, from one Homer to another, it's not just modern culture, it's ancient culture. These themes are ancient, and it's not just uh, fathers. There on the left is, uh, I should test you, shouldn't I? It's Orestes and, and his sister Electra killing their mother, Clytemnestra. And it's not just sons, as poor old King Lear found out with his daughters. I wonder why the the tragedy of broken parent-child relationships makes such compelling stories. Perhaps because the relationship is so universal. It matters so much to who we are. We thought about marriage last week. Um, Not everyone is married. Um, Not everyone has children. But everyone here has been a child. There may even be one or two who are still children in the room. That everyone has an experience of of being parented. Many of us are hugely grateful, aren't we, for the the love and care we received as children. Uh, For some, though, childhood was difficult. Maybe parenting was was inadequate, even, even abusive. And perhaps for, for some here, the experience was the absence of parents, um, a bit of being brought up by others. But whatever our experience of parents, we've all been shaped by how we were raised as children. But I think, I think the real reason that there seems to be so many stories about damaged parent-child relationships is because <laughs> we know it shouldn't be that way, um, even if it so often is. If we we had a great childhood, we're grateful, especially because we know so many don't share that privilege. If If we had a difficult childhood, we know it's not the way it should be. We want things to be put right. See, those stories are compelling because there's a problem that needs resolution, and it's a joy when it all ends happily ever after. It's a tragedy 
when the brokenness isn't resolved. So the end of King Lear is tragic. The end of Return of the Jedi is wonderful. So childhood and parenting. It affects everyone, and it affects everyone with profound consequences. We know it should be good and nurturing, but we realise it so often isn't. And some people here today may be suffering because of that. So I want to say at the outset that I'm not an expert at parenting or childhood. I don't want to tell you my own flawed ideas, um, but I want us to see what God says, so what, it, what it means to be a spirit-filled child and a spirit-filled parent. So let's turn to um, Ephesians 6, um, verses 1 to 4. If you haven't got that open already, it's on page 1178. It's a very short passage. There's a command for children and there's a command for fathers. So we're going to start with children. Children, this is, this is verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the, the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Well, who, who is Paul talking to? He's talking to children, actual children. Those, um, verse 1, who should obey. Those who are still being brought up in, in verse 4. Now, from um, verse 22 of, of chapter 5, uh, right through to verse 9 of chapter 6, he's dealing with relationships in the, in the household as it was then. So there were wives and husbands, parents and children, slaves and masters. So he's not primarily here talking to adult children. Um, who no longer live with their parents. He's talking to children, which means presumably that he expects children to be there when the letter was read out in the Ephesian church, which in itself shows a a dignity and an importance that children in the Roman Empire didn't often have. They were treated as possessions. They had no rights at all. Their views weren't really considered. But Paul cares about children. He thinks it's worth talking to them. Jesus cared about children. They matter to God. So that's who he's talking to. What does Paul tell children to do? He tells them to obey their parents. That's it. Their mothers and and fathers. It's not a new idea. Several Proverbs say much the same, don't they? Um, Proverbs 6, verse 20. Keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. And many families uh, don't have both parents. They might just be the one parent, or there might be step-parents, children might be adopted. So I think this passage is about obey whoever has parental responsibility in the family. It's not a command to obey any adult. It's not even a command to obey school teachers. But perhaps we might expect a bit more, something else children should do. But no, this is it. It's a simple command. Obey your parents. A simple command, but very difficult to obey. Whether you're a parent or from what you see of of other children or what you remember of yourself as a child, we know our instinct is to do our own thing. We'll obey when we feel like it, when it fits with what I want. Adults, um, Adults learn to disguise their disobedience. Children are usually more obvious, both... um, when they refuse, no, I won't, uh, and their sulkiness when made to do something they don't want. 
So rather than give children more commands, Paul gives them a few reasons. Why should they obey? Well, because it's right. And, and to honour your father and mother was one of the Ten Commandments. Verse 2. The ancient pagan world would probably have agreed um, with that. Um, they'd, they'd approve of that promise that God gave in verse 3 uh, for things to go well, for, for long life. It's not about the life to come. That's, that's here on earth. When children obey their parents, when we all treat our elders with respect, it's, it's good for the family. It's good for the community. It's not a promise for each individual case. There's, there's plenty of exceptions. It's a general rule for the flourishing of society. But Paul dignifies it further. Look, obedience is in the Lord. As children obey their parents, they're serving God. We all have a part to play in serving God. For children, a key way to do that is to obey their parents. It's a bit similar to what Paul says. Let's skip down to verse 7 where he tells slaves to offer their service as though it's for God. So when you're eight years old and you're told to brush your teeth, to obey is the right thing to do. When you're 14, told to do your homework, to obey is the right thing to do in the Lord. It might mean obeying when you don't really understand why or when you don't think your parents are making the best decision. Paul doesn't say obey your parents when you agree with them. He says obey your parents in the Lord. So sometimes there will be exceptions. A child shouldn't obey a command to sin, to lie or to, to steal. A command not to pray or not to trust God. A child who follows Jesus can't obey those things. But in general, if, if it's not explicitly sinful, children are to obey. So I'm well aware there aren't many children here in the room. So what if you're not a child? You're no longer living under your parents' roof. You're no, you're no longer under their authority. The relationship is no longer one of discipline and obedience. But we still need to honour our parents. Not to speak badly of them to others, to, to spend time with them, to include them in our life, to seek their advice. I know I'm really bad at this. And it's especially difficult for those whose parents are, are living a long way away to care for them when they need care. So we need to work hard at it. I need to work harder. It's something that British culture gets, gets very wrong quite often. Where elderly parents are ignored or, or seen as an inconvenience. Um, I've seen granny dumping in the A&E department. It's a horrible reality. My friends in, in Rwanda or Hong Kong would be appalled at what sometimes happens here. And we could learn a lot from our Asian and African brothers and sisters how to honour our parents better. Well, whether we have still parents to obey and honour or, or, or we don't, um, we can all help those who do to do it better. Let's all help children obey their parents. Don't undermine their parents. I remember the saying on my grandma's wall, if mummy says no, ask grandma. <laughs> Which was funny, but not really helpful. Now, obedience is hard. Let's make it easier for children. Help them see why it's good to obey.
and not a frustration. And above all, let's pray for the children in our church. Let's pray for them to honour their father and mother, to, to obey their parents, that they would know Jesus and grow in faith. Which leads to our second heading, um, parents. Now this is verse four, parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't anger your children. It's addressed to fathers. I don't think it's just because fathers are, um, are more likely than mothers to irritate their children. I did a survey of, of ours. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was pretty conclusive. <laughs> I think it's addressed to fathers because uh, the husband has a particular responsibility. What we saw um, back in verses is 22 to 24 last week as, as headship. And that's worked out here in, in verse 4, in bringing up children. But although the, the overall responsibility might be the father's, that doesn't mean that verse 4 isn't for both parents. Verses 1 and 2 uh, were clearly about both parents. And although the word fathers in verse 4 does usually mean dad, um, it's used elsewhere. In Hebrews 11, um, it clearly includes the mother. It's translated in the ESV, verse 9, Hebrews 11. Moses was hidden by his parents. Um, if you look back in Exodus, it was his mother who did the hiding. And when we look elsewhere in the Bible, we see time and again that bringing up children is a responsibility of both parents. So again, Proverbs, Proverbs 1, verse 8. Hear your father's instruction, your mother's teaching. So I think both parents are being addressed here, even if the word is father, uh, even if the overall responsibility is, is his. This is why I've, I've, I've used parents as the heading. So what is it there to do for their children? Well, two things. Um, don't anger them and bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The children had one thing to do, um, to obey. That was big enough. Paul gave them lots of reasons to do that. Um, parents have more to do. They can, they can multitask. And, and Paul doesn't explicitly give a reason. Uh, and perhaps, perhaps that's because it's obvious why. So let's start with that first thing. Is don't anger your children. Don't provoke your children to anger. Uh, there are lots of ways um, we can do this. Lots of ways I've done this um, and probably still do this. Um, uh, we can treat children unfairly, especially between siblings and what we tell a, a child to do, um, or what privileges or, or punishments can be inconsistent. Uh, we, we can shut children down with a, because I said so, uh, and not listen uh, properly to what they're asking. And sometimes as adults, we do know best. Um, or we do know something isn't really a big deal, but for our children, it's not so clear. Um, something might be overwhelming them, and we need to take their concerns seriously. Sometimes it's our hypocrisy that angers them, making rules that we break ourselves when they see us ignoring traffic laws or in, in our greed and our, our laziness, our selfishness, when I, I lie on the sofa expecting things to be done for me, in, in the, the way we treat others, in the way we treat our wife or husband. So I don't think this command is just about being annoying. It's not about dad jokes. 
I think the biggest way we, we anger our children is, is in failing to live the way we tell them to live. When our walk doesn't match our talk. But of course we are going to fail. So we need to apologise to our children sensitively and appropriately. We need to have the humility to say when we've messed up. And I'm sorry that I fail to do that as I should. And if we don't, we exacerbate the problem and provoke them to anger. And, and we'll make it harder to do the second thing, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, because that's what it's all about. Bring them up means to, to nourish them or to nurture them. It's, it's how we grow. It's the same word if you look back in, in verse uh, 29. Um, as Christ nourishes the church, it's a, it's a loving gentle, patient training to follow Jesus. And Paul doesn't say uh, bring them up to be good little citizens or instruct them in the way of maths and geography. He doesn't say just just delegate their upbringing to school and and social media. If school and, and screens are the only way they're learning about the world, what place will Jesus have there? No, the specific role for Christian parents here is to bring their children up in the knowledge and love of God. To lead them towards a mature and and independent faith in Jesus. I was baptised when I was 17 um, and my grandfather gave me a book with 2 Timothy 3, 14 written in the front. He He wanted me to continue in what I had learned and firmly believed knowing from whom I'd learned it and how from childhood I'd been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make me wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. That's what Victoria and I long for our children. That's our role as parents. And it's not something, it's not even something we, we, we can just leave to church. We're so grateful here at Christ Church for the children and youth ministry here. Um, for crawlers and scramblers and explorers, pathfinders and spectrum. I'm so grateful to those of you who, who give up your time to teach our children. But that can never be instead of our responsibility as parents to, to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How are we doing that? There's no one size fits all, we'll, we'll all do it differently. Some will have more regular time, some will be more spontaneous. It's not just whether we have a daily prayer time or a weekly Bible study with our children. It's about what we want most for them. And showing in our own lives that Jesus is central. It's about living and speaking for Jesus at home. And in learning more about Jesus outside the home. So it does mean encouraging our children to make use of those opportunities uh, that church offers or, or, or school Christian union. Or summer camps. You know, making Spectrum or Pathfinders a real priority in the week. You see, if, if homework or sport takes priority now, what do we think will take priority when they're studying at university or, or, or have busy jobs? Well, none of this is easy. Now, children don't naturally want to obey. They don't naturally want to know the gospel. So Paul reminds us that it's instruction and discipline. Discipline is part and parcel of parenting. Hebrews 12, 
reminds us, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? There will be seasons when it's particularly difficult and where we need help. So again, whether we have children or not, we, we can all help those who do. Uh, there may be practical things we can do to help a, a struggling single mum uh, to make sure she's got more quality time with her children. And maybe some parents just need a break and we, we can offer to babysit. Could we offer to babysit regularly so, so that both parents can get to a small group? Maybe parents would really value a, a, a Christian in their, in their 20s being willing to spend time with their teenage son or, or daughter as an example of someone just, just a few years older than them taking Jesus seriously. Could we as the whole church live out the beauty of being united in Christ so that children want to be part of that, want to be part of what their parents are teaching them? And could we all pray for the parents in our church? Ask them what they need prayer for when we chat over coffee after the service. Maybe regularly pray for for one or two families. Because it's hard work. Uh, and God wants us to pray for it. Because it's all of the Lord. And it's all his work. Uh, and that's my final heading. Uh, it's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. Do you remember the context of Ephesians? We, we, first three chapters, know the plans. Second three chapters, live the plan. The plan for everything to be united in Christ. That includes children and parents. It includes our parenting and our obedience. It's a plan that includes all of us, children and adults, speaking the truth in love, growing up into Christ. And when Paul turns to practical ways we're going to do that, chapters 4 and 5, to live out being in Christ, he gives everything a gospel reason. So, for example, chapter 4, verse 32, um, we're to forgive as Christ forgave us. Um, Chapter 5, verse 25, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Um, Chapter 5, verse 1, we're to imitate God, to walk in love as Christ loved us. So although Paul didn't give uh, an explicit reason to parents why they should instruct and, and discipline their children in the way that he gave reasons to children to obey, in the context of what he's saying so far, the reason we're to parent like this is the gospel. It's, it's another part of life. It's part of everything that is, that is in Christ. So Paul's, Paul's words about childhood and parenting aren't just to do what is right and good for society, although it is, or it's not just to make sure that we're teaching children about Jesus, which we must. It's because this is another way we can grow up into Christ, to imitate God. So wrongly angering our children is so serious because it's a rejection of what God's revealed of his fatherly love for us. Children disobeying their parents is so serious because it represents rebellion against God. So fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Your human fatherhood is to be modelled on God's fatherhood. It's not the other way round. We don't look at human parenting and say, oh, God... God must be a bit like that. If we did, it would be disastrous because our view of God would be based on fallible, fallen fathers. No, we look at our loving, heavenly Father and we learn what it means to love and discipline 
our children from him, from his love and discipline of us. Hebrews 12 says he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. So children, obey your parents in the Lord. Who is the only person to perfectly obey? It was Jesus, who was without sin. Obeying his earthly parents, honouring them, ensuring his mother was cared for even while he was dying. Obeying his heavenly father, even to that death on a cross. Jesus is our model of obedience, an example to follow, not just for children, but for all of us. As children obey their parents, though, they're modelling how we should all obey our Heavenly Father as Jesus did. All of us, uh, children and grown-ups, those who have children, those who don't, we're our Heavenly Father's children. We're to obey. And he will nurture us, grow us, instruct us and discipline us. That's what parenting and childhood in the Lord should look like. Our families are a glorious opportunity to imitate God, to learn more about our Father God, to become more like his son Jesus. But our families so often fall so, so short of that. It's one of the most obvious tragedies of our fallen world. It's not surprising that broken parent-child relationships are so compelling in culture and, and media. In our own families, maybe things have gone wrong because, because of our own sin or our parents' failures or our children's disobedience. And for many people here, I know that is painful. And some of you are going through really tough times and it hurts. And whether it's due to sin or circumstances, there is so much brokenness. So please remember that we have a heavenly, perfect Father who loves us. He knows where we're hurting. He knows what we need. Come to him. Trust him. Hand over to him what only he can do. See, we're called to be faithful in our own responsibilities, um, to honour our parents, to raise our children in the instruction of the Lord, but we aren't responsible for, for whether they continue to walk with God or not. We're not responsible for whether they truly know Jesus as their own Lord and and Saviour. That's between them and God. So let's hand that over to him in in persistent prayer. (coughs) Plead with God, change their hearts, and to help us to be faithful to what he's called us to do. And where we have got that wrong, where we've messed up, where we still mess up, and we all do, we need to repent. None of us gets this right. We all need our our broken relationships mended. Children need to repent of their disobedience. Grown-ups and children need to repent of dishonouring our parents. Parents, we need to repent where we've angered our children. Repent of our failure to, to properly bring up our children to know and love the Lord. We all need to repent for failing to obey our Heavenly Father, for failing to heed his, his loving care and discipline of us. And the good news is that in the Lord, in Christ, we are forgiven. Because he did obey his Father perfectly. 
He died on the cross to take the punishment we deserved for our rebellion against God. He took God's anger at sin on himself so that we might be forgiven and start again. Not just to fail again, uh, but to be one with Jesus, filled with his spirit and, and resurrection power. One with each other, to live out what it, what it means uh, to be the people that God wants us to be. It's only in him that we can obey God and honour our parents, that we can model God's love to our children, that we can help children and parents in our church uh, to do this well, that we can all grow in, in God's nurturing, nourishing care and discipline. So let's pray that he'll help us do that day by day. Let's pray now as we finish. Father God, we thank you for children and parents here at Christchurch Bromley. We pray that those families would reflect you and your love as they grow more like you. Help us all to help our children and parents. But where things are hard, Lord, please bring your healing. Help us rest in the knowledge that your grace is sufficient for past, present, and future failure. In Jesus' name, amen.